0: It's going to be hard to pay attention. Everyone's trying to read their handout, or no? No, look, everyone's looking up here. That's, that's good. I like that. We'll get to the handout when we get to the handout. That's okay. It's always like I thought about giving them out right at the beginning of service. I could see people during worship. They'd be like, man, if the lights were just a little bit brighter, maybe I could read what's happening here, right? Okay, I just want to pray over the offering. Uh, I also want to let you guys know a couple things. Number one, we've got a team at the City Mission this morning. So there's a bunch of our people down there at the City Mission serving. Uh, They get to serve food down there. They share the gospel message. They pray for people. So I want to pray for them here in just a minute. And we want to pray over our offering and then pray for the series that the Lord has really been placing uh, on my heart and stuff that I want to share with you here this morning. So the scripture for uh, tithes and offerings out of Hebrew 13. It says, therefore, by him, by him, not by us, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Amen? The sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. Were we not just talking about that already? Giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Amen? Amen. He calls us to be generous. He calls us to be great tippers at restaurants. Be like, well, I didn't see that in the Bible. Well, guess what? We are his hands and feet. And even if the service is poor, I would highly suggest that we show the love of God to someone. It's not our job to correct that person. It is our job to love that person. Amen? I have no idea where this is coming from, but I'm talking about tipping this morning, okay? How that got from here to there, I can only imagine, right? But I just want us to be generous. I want us to be a generous people. Because God loves what a cheerful giver. Let us be generous where we go. Let's be generous in all that we do, showing love to people in practical, loving ways. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for every gift, every giver this morning, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are for us and not against us. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we can continually offer a sacrifice of praise to you from our lips. I thank you, Father, that our voices are strong. Our voices are for you, Father. We thank you for it. We just pray a blessing over our team down at the City Mission. Father, I just pray that you anoint them with your spirit as they share both in practicality, the love that you have for people in in giving food and distributing food, but also the gospel message that you laid down your life for each and every one of us. I thank you for it. And Father, I just pray over this message, this series that you have in store for us, Lord. I just pray that you will just anoint my lips to be able to communicate what you have in store for us as a church as we move into these last days. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Okay, so from an introduction perspective, number one, I like to say a couple things. If you did not get a handout that looks like this, it's like a yellowish piece of paper, just slip your hand up, Uh, we'll have some ushers that are able to get those to you. If you're watching online, you say, How do I get one of these little handouts? Well, we made it available on our website. So if you go to our website, www.ecfchurch.org, and if you scroll down a little bit, because we kind of have our COVID plan up front so people see that, about halfway down through the main page, you don't have to click anywhere, just scroll down. You can click on it, it's a PDF that will open up on your computer, and you can either zoom in, you can try to print it. It's probably going to be small. The way we printed them, we printed them a little bit bigger piece of paper to try to get the font as big as possible uh, for you guys to see it. So I want to do a couple things first and foremost. Uh, We did give credit to, so the actual design of this timeline that we're going to go through, uh, we had found it. Uh, This guy makes it available to people. It's dangreenup.com. And so I put a little note down at the bottom. I just want to recognize him for the work. In the general design of it, and I want to thank Andy Musella and Sydney Moore, who, as we work through this over the past couple of weeks, really over the past couple of months, right, I mean, we've been working on this, uh, we've made some adjustments, and we've kind of put down the timeline as we see the Bible's showing us uh, the end times timeline and what this looks like. So we're going to get to this uh, in just a moment, but I just wanted to give credit, and for those who are online, have a chance to be able to go uh, and pull down some of that information, Okay. All right, I have a couple scriptures I want to start out with. The first one is out of Hosea 4, verse 6. And it says this, it says, My people are destroyed, or they cease to exist, or they are cut off. They're actually destroyed for what? For the lack of knowledge. They are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. what does that knowledge mean in that scripture? It's talking about discernment. It's talking about wisdom. It's talking about understanding. And you say, well, well, Pastor why do we want to talk about this? Why do we want to talk about end times? Why do we want to look at biblical prophecy and what it means? Because I think that many of us, many of us can be easily deceived in thinking something is happening when it's not happening. We can be easily uh, uh, mixed up when we have an expectation that something is going to play out a certain way and then that expectation doesn't play out as we thought. How many of you have been there? <clears throat> Okay, this is like, ask my kids, ask my kids, like, Dad, stop having an expectation that when you do a project, everything's going to work out perfectly. (laughs) Because for whatever reason, every time I do a project, this is my expectation. My expectation is that I'll have all the right tools, that I'll only have to go to Lowe's how many times? (laughs) Once. Only one time. I will get everything I need. In fact, I'll even buy extra because I, you know, just in case I need this, 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 and this. And undoubtedly, undoubtedly, I don't have the right tool. I don't have the right fitting. I don't have the right part. And I go back to Lowe's. How many times? Three, four. And thank goodness it's it's close by. It's not far away. But then what I end up doing is I start getting frustrated. I have this expectation, like this is how things are going to play out. And I think, well, it's, all, it's always going to be, all is going to be good. All is going to be well. And guess what? It doesn't work out that way. It doesn't work out that way. And so when my expectation is here and reality is here, between these two is frustration, is anger, is disappointment. I have broken many of things in our home. When my expectation was here and then reality didn't actually match up to that. Uh, Guys, we're all like this, right? I mean, we have these things happen in our lives. We have a certain expectation that our kids are going to act a certain way. Let's go to the restaurant, and our kids are going to just be wonderful. It's going to be so beautiful and perfect. And then we all sit down, and then there's spaghetti flying. There's kids crying. We went to a restaurant in Pittsburgh where kids were literally throwing up in the restaurant. Okay, you talk about a bad experience all over Liz. Like, oh, my gosh. We're like, uh, we need to go. Uh, we don't, we're not going to be here anymore. right? But our expectation was we're going to have this amazing dinner. It's going to be wonderful. And I give this example because I think this is one of the main reasons why I want to talk about end times. And I want to lay out for you some of the major events and timelines of things that are going to happen so that when things begin to happen, which they actually are, things are being signed, treaties are happening even as early as August or late as August 13th, just a few weeks ago, of biblical prophecy of things that are beginning to align up. And so what I want to do as a church and as your leaders to say, here is what you can expect so that when things begin to happen, you're not like me at home doing a project getting really frustrated. But what happens is, if you remember, Pastor Jim's message last week was about peace, grace, and peace. My goal is that you are able to walk with grace and peace through these turbulent times because you'll see and have an expectation of what's going to happen. And you're like, okay. I saw one of those, you ever hear that say, hey, I saw that coming this is what this is all about. I saw that coming, right? So here's a couple of things for the goal of this series. I want to talk about this goal of this series. Here is what it is not to do. The goal of this series is not to set a date or define an exact window of time when all of this is going to start. That's not my goal. I will not do that. I refuse to do that. I believe the Bible makes it very clear that we can know the generation of when this will happen, and we're beginning to see some of those things, but it says no one will know the exact time, right? But we can begin to understand. I am not here to call anybody this morning the Antichrist. I'm not to call out any government leaders and say the president of Turkey has to be it, or this or that, or whatever it might be, based on what I'm seeing in the news, I'm not here or ready to call any of that. I think when it happens, it will be very clear It happens, and you see in Daniel all through of what the Bible describes how the Antichrist will will rise to power. And In fact, if you're asking me, I haven't seen anybody rise to power that way. So right now, at this point, I don't know if the Antichrist is living, not living. I don't know, okay? Could be, but I don't know. So that's not the goal of this series. The goal of this series is not to say what's in front of you is the only interpretation of end times that you'll ever read, see, or Actually, some of you might even believe a a little variation of what's in front of you. I'm not so, to a point, I think Liz had said it this morning, she's like, make sure they know, which is true, you guys know who I am, yeah? I'm not a biblical scholar. This is not who I am. I'm a studier of the word of God, I love the word of God, I read the word of God, I discern the word of God, I try to put all this together, but I'm not a biblical scholar. I will not be writing a book on end times, unless the Lord says so. And then only he will be, he will have to help me write that. Okay, that's not what we're here to do. What are we here to do? Number one is to give you this general expectation of the future so that you are not surprised when things happen. Number two, to give you hope. To give you hope. You say, Pastor Jason, look at these things that you're putting on. How can I have hope? Because our eyes need to be focused on hope eternal. Our eyes need to be focused on the thousand year reign. And if our eyes are focused on something out here, a vision for the future, as you're walking through the things that are uh, taking place right in front of us, we can get through them. Because our eyes are not focused on today's storm. Our eyes are focused on the victory that's coming. Amen? Does that make sense? that That is my goal of this. And my goal is to give you a vision at some point in time during the series of what this church needs to begin to look like over the course of the next months and years, however long this plays out. What does Erie Christian Fellowship Church look like? Now, my last goal is to give you guys some personal things to go do. Personal things to go do because, guys, this stuff is coming at us. It's coming at us pretty quick. And we need to be ready as a church. We need to be ready as a people we need to be ready as families. We need to be ready spiritually, physically, emotionally. Guys, where is it, this is a time of preparation. We need to begin to get ready for things that are coming at us. And again, I'm not, I'm not pegging a time. I'm just saying that this stuff is coming. So what is eschatology? Eschatology is the part of theology. Eschatology is this part of theology of the Bible concerned with the final events of history. Or the ultimate destiny of humanity. This concept is commonly referred to as the end of the world or end times. And what I love is this Bible, this word of God that's sitting right in front of us. It is God's ultimate plan of redemption for mankind. From the very beginning to the very end. This is all part of his story. This end times is part of the story that God has in store for all of humanity. And I think it's important that we understand it. And that we walk through it as a church so we can get it. First thing I want to say before I get into the time, I know you're just like, come on, get to the timeline. I want to know when the rapture is going to happen. (laughs) Y'all already looked, okay? Y'all probably sneak a peek and said, when does he say the rapture is going to come? Okay, I will get to that in just a little minute, okay? Look, this is not a Western Bible, and I think the problem that the American church has, that we have as a church, is we begin to interpret what we read in the light of America, in the light of our surroundings, in the light of our economy, in the light of our, economy, <clears throat> light of our uh, society and family structure. And I want us to be careful that we don't interpret the scriptures based on American Christianity. And that's one of the goals that I have for this series as we go through it, that we begin to understand and read the Bible with a different context, with a different lens on that, yes, it applies to us very much so each and every day. But if we can change the lens that we see the Bible through and change the lens that's not a Western Bible, it's the story of the Hebrew people and us being grafted in as Gentiles and the ultimate or second coming and return of Jesus Christ, setting up his reign for all of eternity, if we can put our heads around that and understand the context, I think we will all be better off. Amen? Some of these things from a Western Bible perspective that we get ourselves mixed up with is a little bit of this grace-only doctrine. That this grace-only God loves everyone we're all good, we don't have to worry about sin, we don't have to repent for sin, we don't have to even worry about any of that. I, that is, I don't know the statistics, but I know many, many churches don't even use the word repent or even talk about sin. And that's a huge problem, it's a missing component, it's a missing component from our teaching as a church at large. The example, the definition of a church, in the West, whenever, whenever we hear the word church, we think of a church service. We think of a building, oh, what church do you go to? We always laugh when we go, and we say, how was church? Well, church <clears throat> is the people. This is, again, it's a Western understanding of this consumer mindset, like, how was church for you today? Did you get something out of it? Was the worship good? Were the lights too bright, too dark? Could you read while you were there? You know, did they use smoke machines? Were the smoke machines really good, or did it make you cough when they were using the smoke? Right? It's like, what, what is, where it, why does that become what church is all about? Like, we've totally missed the understanding and the idea. Of what, church is a community. It's a people. It's what Jesus gave his life for. We are his bride. Come on, church. The church is the people. It's not the building. We have to reject this consumer mentality. And then there's other examples of how we view Jesus, and we'll get into this stuff uh, but, you know, in the West, I think we see Jesus a lot as just our loving Savior, such a good brother, what he's done for me. And then when you begin to read the end times timeline, you see it's that same Jesus, as Sidney said, is the only one who can open the scroll, open the seal on the scroll, and brings wrath to this earth, to those who have rejected him. You're like, but wait a second, Jesus? The loving Savior who died on the cross for me. Yes, God is way more complicated, I believe, than sometimes we make it out to be. And we need to begin to work through that and begin to understand that. Okay, so let's start to look at our end times timeline. My goal here this morning is to walk you just a high level through this timeline. Because there's no way I'm going to get it through all of it. What I'm asking you to do is to bring this back each week when you come back. Because my goal is to give you the whole overview, as I used to call it in GE, when I worked at GE, they said, clear the chart. You know what clear the chart means? Don't give them something, and then don't give them the overview of what everything is, because they're going to be confused. They want to see what's going on. So today's goal, overview. Starting next week, we work our way backwards, from eternity all the way moving back to present time say, well, why would you do that? It would make more sense from going today forward. Because I need to give you the hope for tomorrow first. I need to give you what does eternity look like? What does this thousand year reign look like? Who's going to be here? Am I here? Am I not here? Is it just the martyrs? What does the Bible say? I don't know. I want to know. I'll tell you next week. Next week. But honestly, I want to start where this is going to all end up. Where it's going to go. And then start working our way backwards to today And what's happening today and beginning to see is the Antichrist, what's going on today, okay? So let's clear the chart, as I said, yeah? Clear the chart. I should have made my copy bigger than all of yours because I'm supposed to read it as we go, and I did not do that. So off the top, of course, it says end times timeline. And in big bold here at the top, it says Daniel's 70th week. You can begin to read about all of those weeks that are talking about the 69 and then the 70th week. is a seven-year period of time. If you look at the left and you begin to walk your way over, as you do that, now of course you guys will take these home, you can read them and study them, on the back side of your paper is a corresponding number to the number on the front side. That corresponding number gives the scriptural sum, I will tell you, sum of the scriptural reference of what this timeline and how it's been put together and the the scriptural backing for each of these major points that are on here. Is this every major point that happens uh, through the end times? No. Does it cover every scripture that's talked about? No. There's very little about Ezekiel 38 and 39, yet it is loaded with scriptures regarding the end times. You don't even see that on here. Like, we could only get so much. Okay? But what I thought is this design, what it did is it gave a pretty good idea, a pretty good visual of how things begin to play out, how things begin to happen. And I'm giving you the handout because it's like a back-to-school Right, we're all, everyone's getting ready to go back to school, so why don't we all go back to school and have our own little handout and go through. So the very first things that begin to need to happen before the time of the seven-year tribulation begins to occur is that the Antichrist has to rise. And if you look in the Bible, it makes it very clear that the Antichrist will rise out of the northern region of the Middle East. And on the back, I have some, you know, potential uh, countries, today's countries, that the Bible has referenced of where that Antichrist must rise up out of. So when we get all upset and worried about people like Bill Gates and all this vaccination, all this other stuff, Bill Gates is not the Antichrist. I actually can give people that aren't the Antichrist for certain, okay? So Bill Gates is not coming out of the Middle East. He's not coming out of the North. He's not coming out of any of these countries. So clearly, from a biblical prophecy perspective, can't be that. And I've heard people say that, so I'm just giving you an example. And we could use other names that are out there as well, okay? So then there's a war that's described in Daniel 11 and uh, verse 22. And it goes to the war there that Israel and many other nations uh, attack the Antichrist and lose. And basically, this is just a lot of wars that end up coming up all in the Middle East. And we're going to be able to see these play out over the course of time then the thing that really begins to start this last seven years, this tribulation, not the great tribulation, but the tribulation, is a covenant that gets signed. You can read about that covenant in Daniel, chapter 9 and verse 27 and 11 and verse 23. And it's a seven-year covenant acknowledging Israel is who she says she is, you know, do what she says she will do, right? It's acknowledging them in that land. And what it seems like this big evidence of peace in the Middle East, which actually is kind of like a false piece. It does. It's actually not going to play out that way. Okay, and so some of the questions, if you follow the news, is there's been something uh, most recently signed called the Abraham Accord. How many have heard of the Abraham Accord? Okay, a few people who watch the news other than maybe the major news channels that <clears throat> only show the things that they want us to see. Anyway, whole nother sermon, whole nother message, won't go there. The Abraham Accord was a peace agreement signed by the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and Israel on August 13th. It was signed by them, and people were asking, or I've seen on the internet, is this the covenant that starts the peace for the end times? Answer, No. Okay, it's not the covenant that does it. Because what begins to happen is it's not a covenant that they're signing with those who are in unity with them. What ends up happening is that covenant becomes after this war when they're looking for a time of peace that begins to happen. So that's not the covenant. However, the covenant that was just signed begins to set the stage. Another event is setting the stage for these things to play out. You understand? You understand? These things that we're seeing are begin to be able to play these things out. So this covenant happens, and once this covenant happens, the daily sacrifices begin. What are you talking about? The Bible makes it clear that Israel will rebuild rebuild the temple, and they will begin to make daily sacrifices in the temple. If you're interested, there are websites out there that lays out all the plans that they have to do it. It's all out there. You can find it. I'm not going to go through it uh, this morning, but you can go out there and see that. And then what happens is the seals begin to open. I think Cindy was talking a little bit about that, opening up the seals. The seals begin to open. What do these seals look like? This is number four on your chart if you're looking down at it. The seals one through three. These are false prophets, wars, famines, earthquakes, plagues, terrifying sights from heaven. You say, Pastor Jason, all of this is happening. Yeah, guess what? It's going to continue. And it's actually going to get a little bit worse. These things will begin to happen. And then there's an invasion, number five, there's an invasion uh, of Israel that fails. Eventually, you, you look at that number six and underneath there, there's Satan gets kicked out of heaven. You say, I thought he already was kicked out of heaven. We'll go through that. When I begin to back up, there's actually kind of three heavens that are mentioned in the Bible. And we'll kind of walk through what those look like. Does it really mean there's three heavens? I thought there was only one. We'll get to that. But what it talks about in that prophecy is Satan is kicked out of heaven. And then the Antichrist himself ends up getting resurrected. And then he begins to walk into the temple. They have this fight in number seven. You see that. There's ten kingdoms that get consolidated. Look at number seven. Babylon the Great is attacked. The question is, is who is Babylon the Great? Is that the United States of America? I don't know. I don't know yet. We don't don't know how all of this is going to play out. Who is Babylon the Great? Jerusalem is invaded, the abomination of desolation, which you've heard a lot about, well, maybe you've heard a lot about, but a little bit about, and then the two witnesses begin. If you look at those two witnesses, they begin a three and a half years where they can be on the earth as, as they're doing their witnessing, and that's 1,260 days. So if you look back to the top of the timeline, it has 260 days. That moment, number seven, not that we were picking number seven for any reason, Number seven begins the Great Tribulation. It begins the time where there is this, I mean, you've seen the movies, right? It begins this time where the Great Tribulation, where the persecution is amped up of Christians. The persecution uh, of the Jews gets amped up. It's when they start talking about the mark of the beast. And that the Antichrist, as he's beginning to rule and reign more and more of the world, that he begins to demand... That each and every person gets the mark of the beast. And we all know what our answer is to that, it's gonna be, right? No. Okay, just checking. Just checking. You say, well, Pastor Jason, that means we're still here when that happens. Well, let's continue forward. The Antichrist conquers much of the Middle East and Northern Africa in number nine. And then in number 10, if you look at this, uh, the different seals that are happening, this is called the celestial sign, seal number six. And then you look at number 11, where I I truly believe that the rapture will occur, is right before the wrath of God. So what I'm presenting to you here, based on study, based on reading, based on all the stuff that we did, that from a rapture perspective, it happens pre-wrath, but it doesn't happen pre-trib. It happens, while, and we'll get into that on another week in more detail. Now, if you look at number 11, you see a little asterisk around there, yeah? Number 11 has an asterisk. I put an indicator down below. It says, indicates disputed timing. That's probably an understatement. An understatement of the asterisk. It probably should be like 10 asterisks, right? Disputed timing. Like, people are, like, you know, fighting over pre-trip, post-trip, pre-wrath, post-wrath. What is the right timeline to go? And I'm just saying, based on my scriptural Uh, interpretation based on reading that this is what I see how I see it playing out you may disagree in some way and and we can talk about that we can debate that but 11 is starred for that reason so is 12 for the very same reason but the seventh seal number 12 there opens begins to open up the wrath of God And you can see in in Revelation between the sixth seal and the seventh seal, he makes it real clear that John, who wrote Revelation, sees the church in heaven between those two seals. And you don't really see the church in heaven prior to that, and so you begin to put these markers along with the other things that come through, and you begin to see that fairly clearly. And of course, there's other arguments against it, but for our purposes of this timeline, that's is where we see the rapture occurring. Then the seal and the trumpets... All, because we don 't know the day where this thing is going to be cut short, we don 't understand the actual day of the Lord when it happens, but it gets it cuts short the great tribulation, and these trumpets begin to un- unwind, and on the back of your paper, you can read through those and the, and Jesus is now here, the trumpets are being blown, and then in number fourteen, if you look at number fourteen it 's called the Salvation of Israel. The salvation is called the mystery of God as well. And it talks about all the different things that will happen over this few-day period, which are the witnesses being killed, Jesus physically showing up at uh, Basra, which is modern-day Jordan, I believe, Uh, the victory uh, procession into Jerusalem, and then the arrival in Jerusalem, the two witnesses then get resurrected, which means they had to have been uh, killed earlier. But they're on the earth for the 1260 days, if that makes sense. After that happens, then the bold judgments begin to... Pour out. This is the rest of the wicked creation that God is basically taking care of. At this point, uh, the church is up in heaven. There are those who still, you know, are here, left here on earth, but Jesus is considered king. And then in number 18, again, we'll get into these more detail, is the Battle of Armageddon. Right? How many movies have been made or called Armageddon or the Battle of Armageddon, right? It's out there. We know what this is. We've heard of it, and we're going to go through that. That is where Satan is uh, thrown into the lake of fire. And then bowl number seven comes out. This is when the earth is basically leveled, okay? This is when it's getting real bad, but we're not here, okay? Thank you, Jesus. And this is when it begins to get real bad. The earth is leveled. And then there's this time frame that's represented in number 20, There's a time frame where there's the sheep-goat judgment, which we see in Matthew uh, 25, Uh, the renovation of earth, including Mount Zion becoming the highest mountain, and then the new temple begins to be built, as you see in Ezekiel 40 through 48, Uh, the new temple begins to be built. And then the thousand-year reign on earth happens when Satan is bound and the marriage supper of the Lamb happens on number 21. Again, next week, we'll focus more on the thousand-year reign and eternity because I want to bring the hope of what it's going to look like before we have to see what we have to navigate through over the next however many years this is. We don't know. Maybe it's our kids. I don't know. I'm not picking a date. And then at the end, number 22, Satan is released, the rebellion uh, rises up, it's crushed. Satan uh, is thrown into the, uh, the lake of fire again. So he was in there. He's released. He's thrown back in there. The white throne judgment happens. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Eternity has arrived. Okay? Eternity has arrived. And so that's my basic overview of what this is. But here's really what I want you to walk away with here. Worship team, or I think someone's going to play the keys for me behind... This is not a time to be shocked by what we see or what we hear. We need to understand the things that are coming at us. We need to understand this level of stuff that is coming at us in the world. Jesus will be coming back. He will be coming back for his bride. What I'm laying out to here is a call to get right with the Lord it's a call to get right with the Lord it's a call to say the time seems to be short the time is now to begin to share our faith the time is now to begin to disciple you say well discipleship's a long period of time and and it's not going to be that long how do you know how long it's going to be I didn't tell you how long it was going to be I didn't tell you when this was going to start We see things that are beginning to play out. But the time of sharing our faith is now. Our time of discipleship is now. Our time of walking in peace. Because you can say, "Ah, you know what, I kind of knew that was coming because the Bible told me so. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. The, that's the book for me. Amen? I sing that to Maggie May every night. I sing the Bible, the Word of God. Everything you see on this timeline is in the Word of God. I didn't make any of this up. I didn't come up with it. It's what is going to play out over this end time. It's time to get right with God. It's time to remove distractions in our life. That is not allowing us to spend the time we need to spend with Jesus. Distractions have to go. There's no time for messing around anymore, I guess is what I'm saying. It's a call to action. It's a time to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's a time to see the gifts of the Spirit in action. It's time to pray. It's time to be with our families It's time to study the Word of God, understand the Word of God, rightly divide the Word of God. You know, school is about to start or school has started, and there are so many distractions in this world that take us away from reading this and studying this. It's why we're trying to do this read through the Bible together. We cannot let the distractions of this world take us away from our time in this Word. This word will bring the peace that we need. This word will bring the hope that we need. When our eyes are focused on the word, they're focused on Jesus. And as we know, he is the author and finisher of our faith. It is he and he alone that's going to sustain us through these times. Not by our own strength. We're not going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. I don't even know what that means seems physically impossible to do. You can't actually pull yourself up. Ever. Try it. Like it doesn't work. And that's the whole point. It doesn't work. Stop trying to pull yourself up. To pull yourself together and try to do it on your own. It's not a time to do it on your own. It's a time to do it with the Holy Spirit. With God. This is the time that we're in. It's a time to focus on peace on love, on joy, patience, kindness, goodness, all the fruit of the Spirit. It's a time to remove everything and anything that does not bring peace in our lives. If that means removing social media from your life, then get rid of it. I have not ever been on social media when I felt better afterwards. Maybe you have. Good for you. Not for me. You have to know the things in your life that caused you the anxiety. We prayed for people up here for anxiety and fear. But if you go back this afternoon and keep doing the thing that caused you anxiety and fear, this prayer that we just prayed for you isn't going to magically just change everything right away. You'll have a peace that's on the inside, but the enemy will tempt you. will not you just go back to that thing? It's okay. This stuff is not okay anymore. The time is short. It's not okay anymore. John 16.33 says this. I'm going to end with this. Liz, if you can come up here then. I want to, just, I want to do a time of prayer. John 16.33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me, church, in me, you may have peace. In me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. What I want to do as a church here as we close for the next few minutes is I just want to spend some time praying. I've seen a lot of different things about this being a time, a called time to pray. There's been prophetic words about this being a time to pray. I believe you said it over and over this is a time to pray. When you don't know what else to do, we can pray. The Bible commands us to pray. And if we could turn, I don't know, Grace or somebody can turn the lights down here. I want to just take some time and pray. Praying for God's kingdom to expand, for the lost to be saved, for the sick to be healed, for th- families to thrive, for lives to be transformed. I want to pray over our city, over our church over our families. And you can pray and jump in whenever you're ready to jump in. If you want to bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Father, we can see clearly from your word there are things that will begin to play out. But if we can understand that you are for us and not against us, that you never leave us nor forsake us, that we can walk in faith and not fear, in peace and not anxiety, that no matter what happens, no matter what occurs in the coming days, we can walk with a peace and a confidence in you and only in you. So, Father, I pray that over each person here. That as we get into this series, that fear is not what reigns, but peace is what reigns. That an understanding, and enlightenment begins to happen. An illumination, a better word, of the Word of God begins to occur. And we see the Word of God for what it is, and as it is in front of us. That there's nothing to fear, that He is for us. And I pray that for each and every one of us. Father, I pray for our church. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you've called this church to be debt-free, that we are working on it, Lord, because you know the times that are ahead. You've told us to be debt-free as a church. And Father, we ask that you will do that in your perfect timing as we trust in you for that. And Father, as a church, we humble ourselves. We pray We seek your face, turning from our wicked ways, and we thank you for hearing and forgiving our sin and healing our land. Father, create in us a clean heart. Renew the right spirit within us. Fill us with your presence, taught, comforted, empowered and led by your Holy Spirit. Refocus us On your joy of salvation, which restores us. Grant us a willing and obedient spirit to sustain us. Father, we ask that you correct us, grant us repentance, that we may know the truth and escape every one of the devil's snares. Father, we submit to you. We resist the devil and your word promises that he'll flee from us. Father, I just pray that our ears are open to hear your word. Father, we lift up this Erie County to you in the state of Pennsylvania, our government leaders, Father, we pray that their attention will be arrested by Jesus Christ. (laughs) That the Holy Spirit will convict and do what only it can do. And that we as the church do only what we can do. That's to be your hands and feet and to love others. To care for those in need. To give generously of our time, of our talents and all that you've given to us. Father, we pray for our students who are going back to school. So many things going on, so many confusing messages out there. Father, I just pray that it would be clear to them the one message, the true message, the message of the cross, the message of Jesus Christ, for hope eternal, be made clear in our school here, in the schools around this area. Father, we lift them up to you, our students. They're in your hands. Father, put a supernatural hedge of protection around them. And Father, we do lift up specifically the school here, Leadership Christian Academy that a hedge of protection will be around it. Wisdom will come to its leaders, administrators, teachers. As they open school back up, it goes smoothly. We thank you for it. Father, we pray for those who are sick, both those who are sick with COVID and any other pain or disease that we know is not from you. We ask that you heal them in Jesus' name. We ask you reveal the perfect plans for them, for their health. And Father, we ask for many to come to know you in these days, that your kingdom will be expanded, not the church building, but your kingdom, the church, will be expanded, and we thank you for it.
1: Father, I pray for a spirit of peace. Father, I pray that as we look at the things that are to come, Father, we will lift our eyes to the heavens. Father, that our trust would grow deeper and deeper, Father. You are calling us into a love relationship with a loving Father where we are safe and held in you. Father, I thank you that your wrath is not for us. Father, I, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts. Father, in that as these days come closer, right? Tomorrow, Lord, we're one step closer than we are today. And we don't know the times, Father, but we know your faithfulness. Father, we, I just pray that each and every person here would know you More and more, and more. I pray for a spirit of revelation that we would grow ever closer to you, that we would have revealed knowledge that only you can give. Father, that and it leads to transformation. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, you are good, and we love you, Father God. We trust in you. We trust in your word. We trust in your plans and your purposes. You lead us. You guide us. You keep us. Father, we surrender ourselves to you, knowing that you care for us. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you.
0: Well, uh, prayer team, if you guys could make your way forward. We're going to end service. But if you need prayer for anything in your life at all, there will be groups of people up here that can pray for you. Maybe you just, this message really resonated and said, you know what, I need to get right with God. I I have not been where I have needed to be. I have not been walking the way I needed to be. I just need somebody to pray with me, the prayer of agreement even, to say, look, I just need to take steps in my life to move back towards my relationship with him. You can do that this morning. If you need healing in your life, physical healing, mental, emotional, these people can pray for you you can share with them. You can be very vague. You don't have to give them all the details. They can pray for you, or you can give them all the details. It's confidential. They don't share it. I encourage you. I know it's it's later, but this is how we do service every week anyway. It's not even, new. It's not even yeah. It's not even noon. It's actually early. We're actually ending early today. Thank you very much, Pastor Jason and Liz, for ending early on this beautiful Sunday. Yeah, that's funny. Okay here's what I want to do. I'm going to read this benediction over you guys, and then we'll turn the lights back on. You guys can be dismissed, and if you need prayer, you can come up here. It's out of number six. It says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Peace, peace, peace. Amen. Have a wonderful afternoon, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.